Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello and welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazer. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thingor2hq.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will get you weekly access to members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. Also, we offer free ad reads to Black-owned businesses, so hit us up at podcast at a thing or two hq.com to take advantage. Hi. Hi. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's dreary, but I'm fine. Something I want to talk about speaking of hi, how are you? Um, <laughs> yeah. Is, is the idea of will you tell someone hi for me? The third party hello. The third party hello. Can Which you, is never actually you? posed as a question. It's just say, say hello to so-and-so. And I have, have a bone to pick or two. Well, I've just always disregarded it as like, a, <laughs> I've always just said yes and then never actually said. You've Every always lied. You've yeah, always lied. Because yeah. it feels like, I'm trying to think of what the sort of like corollary is. Oh, it's like, you know what it is? It's, per, it's saying to somebody, how are you doing? Yeah. It's like, it means nothing. It's throwaway. It, it means very little. And you know, of course, sometimes it means something and sometimes you give an honest answer and sometimes the person really wants to know. Just like every once in a while, I'm like, oh yeah, I will tell that person hi for you. And it feels, because it feels special or meaningful in some way. When it, someone asks, tell blank that I'm thinking of them, how do you feel about that? And do you pass it on? Oh my God. I just, that's well, worse, I, you think? Tell that I'm thinking of them. Like okay. if someone's if something's like going through something, oh, right? Course. If like one of, of your course. friends is going yeah. through something, yes. that it's not one of my friends who would feel like weird to reach yeah. out to, be like, tell blank I'm I'm yeah. thinking of them. That's no, okay totally. or no? Yes, that's that's okay. And it's not that I feel so like burdened by it. It's just that, <laughs> <laughs> it's just that Chris says it all of the time. Tell Erica I said hi. You know, and it's like, it's nice for me to know he thinks of me, you know, like I talk to you multiple times a day, every day. What, what value does it bring to you (laughs) if I'm like, Chris says hi, of course, Chris says hi, of course, Chris is thinking of you. We talk about you all the time. You're like omnipresent in our lives. And then, so every once in a while, he'll be like, did you tell her I said hi? And I'm like, of course not. (laughs) 
maybe what needs to happen because so Cam just FaceTimes me when he yeah, wants to say hi. Right. So maybe Chris should just FaceTime. Just maybe he should just FaceTime me whenever he thinks he wants to say hi. I you don't know. know. That's a workaround. I, and I guess that's part of my issue with it. Thank you. He has your number. You guys text. <laughs> you have your own relationship. You like talk shit behind my back sometimes, right? Like about stuff that's driving you crazy. Not really. Mostly Honestly. him. Most, <laughs> I feel like you guys have your inside jokes. And it doesn't go down <laughs> in the text. I can tell you. <laughs> And I just feel like if he wanted you to know he was thinking of you, the meaningful thing to do would be to text you and okay, for him okay. to say that. It's, and not put the burden on on you or the like, not yeah. the impetus on or you or whatever. Like, it's yeah. not the burden. I don't care. I would do it if I thought it provided value to either of you. I just don't think it does. I don't think it enhances your relationship at all. I think, and he does it, you know, pretty much every time I'm going to see someone tell so-and-so hi. And so of course I'm not going to do it. I don't know. Yeah. I, my dad also does um, give him my regards, which is nice. I like the phrasing. Yeah. Um, it is a I, nice phrasing. I do feel like my dad's more selective about it. Oh, only certain people get the regards. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Well, this came up recently because you had like a professional call that involved um, yeah. basically the person you were talking to knew two people that that you work with in the past yeah. and you liked one of them and not the other. And yeah. you, and I feel like one got your regards. <laughs> I really didn't. I said, let's just call them Jim and Joe. I said, send Jim my love and tell Joe hi. <laughs> <laughs> because I just love said, it. I started just planning to say, send Jim my love. And then I was like, well, it's weird. And just not totally dropping him. Joe entirely. Yeah. yeah and then so I just it on, tell Joe hi. Joe, who does Definitely doesn't get my love. Um, <laughs> and then afterwards, in reflecting upon it, I felt great about it. Like maybe that the mutual party understood the Your feelings without and you I having to say, say anything. When I said that, I did hope that that person went and said to Joe or Jim. You know, Jim, I when I said that, I did hope that that person went and said to Jim, like Claire sends her love. But I don't talk to Jim anymore. I haven't seen him in yeah. so long. Like that's when it's meaningful. But you didn't think that you didn't hope that she would say anything to Joe. Yeah. And I was a little concerned about her getting the message confused and sending my love to both of them. <laughs> In retrospect, I was nervous about this. But you didn't follow up with her and say, just no. to be clear, do not send Joe my love. <laughs> just to recap our conversation. <laughs> Action items. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh I my mean, gosh. Do you, oh my gosh. do you tell people to say, you do to sometimes tell me to say hi and I will do it. I would say not all the time, but like it is, it tends to be people who you're seeing who I haven't seen in a long time. Exactly. Or, yeah. And who you don't really have a relationship yeah. with like independently of yeah. me, like my high school yeah. friends or something. Yeah, totally. And then totally. I think it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. If I remember. Yeah. I like know? when, I like to like to Kelsey, you know, I'm thinking of her. Exactly. You know, without exactly. texting Kelsey myself to be like thinking of you, which would be just <laughs> <Right>. odd. <laughs> That's right. And I mean, I'm sure every once in a while I do it too of just like say hi to so-and-so for me just as a I'll flag it next time I hear it. Please do. And I'll yeah. let you know whether or not I really meant it or whether yeah. I was just yeah. trying to be nice. And also sometimes it just feels like an acknowledgement of the fact that you know the other person's seeing the person. Yes. So, <laughs> like another way of saying goodbye. Oh, your calendar. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just... Chris takes it really seriously. And I'm just like, you throw it about left and right. You bandy it about. I can't be expected to follow through on all of these requests. I 
don't know if this comes into play at all, but I do wonder if it's Midwestern of Chris mm. and I to to do this. Yeah, um, that makes and sense to me. If that's part of what you're responding to, I buy that for sure. Yeah. That this is a Midwestern tendency, and you're like, why yeah. this Midwest nice thing? It's not. It's not. Working I mean, do for you me. follow through every time someone asks you to say hi to another person? No, I I don't know what my hit rate is. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> I. And I, I'm sure you don't do what Chris does where when I come home and he says, how was Jocelyn? And I say, good. And he says, did you tell her I said hi? I don't do that. That's crazy thing to say. Thomas will sometimes do this like with hit when he sees his friends. He'll be like, so-and-so and so-and-so said hi and that they, that they like wished you were there or that they missed you. And I was uh-huh. like, they didn't, they, that part's not true. Chris that part's that you all. just marketing to me that you, I, that you want me to come hang out with your friends more. That's different. That is one thing that having a kid has stopped because like we can't really socialize at the same time unless we're bringing the kid. So, but there did used to be a lot of like, everybody said hi and and they miss you and they wish you were there. And I'm like, no, they didn't. (laughs) And I, I press about it. I'll be like, what exactly did they say? And what usually what they said is, how's Claire? Which is not the same. No. And that's, that's the argument that I make back to him, Claire. I'm like, it's nice that they said hello. It's nice that they like asked about me and that they like, like me and that I like them. But when it's you and these two like friends of yours, Mm -hmm. you're, you can have time with them where I'm not there. Like that, they don't, they're not like missing me in this context. And they're not offended that you didn't come. No. And they're not offended you didn't send your regards. No, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, all right. Should we get into the meat of this episode? Yeah, we had bring a, on our guest. Yeah, we had a really good conversation for this week's episode that I'm so excited about. Can you tell everybody about it? I will. So we had on Lonnie Holiday, who is a pastry chef, um, and she makes my favorite cookie of 2020. Absolutely, this miso chocolate chip gluten free cookie. It's outrageous. It's a sensation. It's a it's sensation. It's a sensation. I had one yesterday. In fact, for lunch, that was wow. lunch that was your yesterday. lunch today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My um, lunch yesterday was two of her cookies and a dish on top of that. I mean, she has a bakery called Brutus Bake Shop that just opened a physical location in Crown Heights in Brooklyn. And she ships on the internet. Um, so you can buy these cookies. She's going to start adding other items soon. And we caught her basically right between a breakup and a birthday. Um, so a big she's birthday. A 40th. big birthday, a 40th birthday. And so she was having sort of like quite a week. And we're just going to jump in and it'll all circle back around as you're listening. But anyway... <laughs> Thank you so much to Cove for sponsoring today's episode. I am so excited to have this sponsor on board. It is truly a company that I love and that I've been so impressed by. Um, Most of you probably know if you've listened to this podcast that I suffer from chronic migraines. And Cove has set out to make life easier for migraine sufferers and also build a community around migraine sufferers. Um, I've actually met the CEO of this company and she just cares so much about thinking of this really holistically thinking about not only, you know, how do we make sure that migraine sufferers are getting their medicine easier and simpler and without a challenge and, you know, at decent prices, but how are we preventing migraines? How are we thinking about, you know, the supplements that we're giving to people who are suffering from migraines and what sort of tips and education can we provide for them around migraines? I'm so happy that they exist. I can't believe that nothing like this has existed before. And I'm so grateful to them for all the work that they do. 
So for a little more intel, Cove helps you get the migraine relief you need all online. Go to withcove.com and complete a quick online consultation and a licensed doctor will recommend a treatment plan customized to your migraine and your prescription will be delivered to your door for as little as $10 a month. With just a few minutes of your time, you get a personalized treatment plan from 20 plus research-backed doctor-recommended migraine medications. And you don't have to worry about running out because Cove sends you your migraine meds every month, which I think anybody who spent any time with Claire knows that that's a huge deal. Huge, 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 huge deal. I, you know, I live in fear of running out of my migraine meds and it, you know, having to call a doctor and ask them to renew the prescription. It is so huge that you don't have to go through insurance for Cove, that you don't have to go to a doctor's office. It's just such a big deal. So there's no insurance needed, no trip to the pharmacy. It's all online. Meds sent right to your door. With Cove, you can have more migraine-free days. They've treated over 300,000 migraine attacks and counting. Go to withcove.com to see their reviews. 96% of customers give them five stars. Get the relief you need right now with Cove. Go to withcove.com slash a thing or two for 50% off your first month of medication and free two-day shipping. That's 50% off your first month of medication and free two-day shipping at withcove.com slash a thing or two. Spelled W-I-T-H-C-O-V-E.com slash a thing or two. Okay, now back to our show. I'm Kareen Eldor. Ever feel like you're playing small? Well, turn up the volume on my podcast, Share a Voice. Every Thursday, I sit down with the wave makers and game changers on everyone's radar. I'll be sharing inspo and takeaways based on my conversations with disruptors, visionaries, and compelling creatives about how they express themselves in their work. Prepare for tons of mic drop moments and subscribe so that you catch every soundbite. I'm fascinated by the power of feeling heard and taking up space. And I'm amped up about sharing these conversations with you. Yeah, I turned 40 on Tuesday. I am, listen, I mean, we might as well just get into it. I actually got broken up with earlier this week, like yesterday or the day before. I don't know. It's all blending together. Terrible. Gutted. I'm sorry. Gutted. Gutted. Absolutely gutted. We, um, yeah, we were like, you know, looking at engagement rings and talking about babies like two weeks ago. And it's like, I was like, wait, what? Um, yeah, it's been terrible. But the thing about it is, is he was like planning, he like insisted on like planning my birthday and this and like, Oh no. So I was like, what? Like, what am I going to, you know, like, and I, what you just did to my like birthday a, too. Kind of. Yeah. I was yeah. like, yo, like I let you have, like, I'm a total planner controlled. Like, I'm like, this is my shit. Like I'm going to yeah. do my thing. Part mm-hmm. of my French, but I'm like, let me do my thing. But I'm like, he's like, no, I want to. And I'm like, let me just be in relationship and, and relinquish yeah. control, but it's right. a big one. So don't mess it up. Like right. you got to come correct. And he just, you didn't like, know just how much he was willing to mess it up. Listen, epic. He's like, he doesn't do anything by halves, I guess. Um, bless him. I So I booked a hot air balloon ride for what? Monday. That's yes. amazing. Listen, I've never been on a hot air balloon ride. I emailed the person at like four o'clock this morning. I Where was are like, you doing it? 
I lower Hudson Valley. I don't know. I literally That's just like cool. Googled. I saw somebody on Instagram, like on a hot air balloon ride. And I was like, I'm doing that. I've always wanted to do that. Like, I'm like, let me, cause I'm like, it doesn't feel appropriate to have a party. And like, mm-hmm. I could go yeah. to a spa and that's fine. Like, but I, that's something I would like do for myself anyway. I'm not right, somebody right. who's like, you must be denied creature comforts. No, <laughs> right. I'm like spa massage. Yeah. Like, let, yeah. let's go. Yeah. No, I'm not hurt. And I, but I was like, <laughs> let me do something nice, but I couldn't like work it out. And I was like, I want to do something with my kids and I want to do, you know, like all these things. And then I saw the Hutter balloon ride and I was like, I'm doing that. And, um, yeah. So I emailed the woman. I was like, listen, honey, like (laughs) this is what's happening. If you can squeeze me in for Tuesday. Cause you know, they don't, it's not like hot air balloon rides aren't like all day. It's not like a, no, a Ferris wheel. Yeah, they yeah. do it like once. <laughs> they send it's it like up once a day and then they send for it down. every balloon. Yeah. yeah it's and it's like, like a, a sunrise thing, right? Yes, yeah. You got yeah. it. Like they only do it at sunrise. Each balloon gets like one go and like that's that on that. And I was like, hopefully somebody has availability on Tuesday. And the woman, she didn't. She's like, I have Monday and that's it. And I was like, I'll take it. That's fine. Yeah. Um, and it's sunrise. You got it. So th- it's like so exciting. And um, sunrise I, on the last day of your 30s. It's perfect. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Like, don't let I mean, the, the only thing better. <laughs> go down on you. <laughs> Such a good song. Um, but no, I'm like, this is lit. And I'm going to bring my kids. And I'm going to surprise them. And I oh. hope that they aren't just like scared and like laying yeah. in the bottom of the basket the it's, whole time. But yeah. whatever. Like, that's not They'll be fine. They'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. They'll be fine. How old are they? Either they will or they won't. <laughs> 10 and 13. Like, oh, I'll be fine. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm sure yeah. it'll be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is what she did warn me. She's like, it's weather dependent. Yeah. She's like, I'll text you at like nine o'clock on Sunday to like confirm that it's happening. I was like, well, it says the weather says this. And she's like, no. She's like, that is civilian <laughs> That's not how this works. report. And she's like, we don't even, she's like Tuesday or she's like the Thursday before might as well be the year before. We don't know what's going to happen. And I'm like, amazing. That's right, really a lesson in, in general, hands. to be honest. Yeah. That's a good lesson. Listen, we should all be yeah, listening to that she's woman. She's like, we don't, we don't know. I'll text you eight o'clock Sunday night. And I was like, okay, we'll see. You have had quite the year. Um, quite a year. <laughs> and we want to wind back even further and talk about how you got your start, how you got into this world. Like, can we talk about your road to baking and gluten-free baking and all of that just to like set the stage? Yes, we can do all of the things. My team is always telling me I'm always like baking outside the lines. <laughs> Love it. Um, and that is, so how did I get my start? I've always worked in food, like always, always, always. Um, food in the restaurant industry and hospitality is like my first true love. Like I love front of house, back of house, all of the house. And I got into baking specifically when I was 19, I apprenticed as a bread baker under this guy. He was like a master baker. It was like a um, hippie grocery store kind of thing, like near Portland, Oregon. If people like people from the West Coast will know Nature's, it's like it was like a local chain. Okay. But they had like all these weird things, like an organic bread bakery and like a naturopath on staff. And so <laughs> he was this guy and he was super talented. And he saw this, I was like a very young person and he was like, let me just teach you all these things. And he really just, he was fabulous and funny and we were a great team. And he taught me all these things that I didn't even really understand at the time, like 
you know, we've got, we're in this like artisan bread wave right now. Yeah. And he taught me all of those things. And I didn't even really like twig it. Like I just had no orientation to the industry and like what the value of what he was sort of sharing with me was at the mm-hmm. time. It was like a premonition or something. It was, I mean, he was just doing his thing. Like yeah, he was yeah, just yeah, really yeah, talented yeah. in that. And he just loved what he did. And he, he really was like pleased to share, you know, and I developed though a wheat allergy working there. So it was like 20 years ago. I developed How did it manifest? A, it was a constellation of symptoms. So I had, you know, like digestive issues. I had on my arms, on my forearms, right near where, basically where my arm would come in contact with the bench, the, the mm. wooden table where we would make all the bread. I had this like rash on my arms here. I had a rash on my face, like right around my mouth. And, um, I just had like, you know, brain fog and uh, digestive issues and like sort of like weird achy joints. And I was like a very young person, you know, and a naturopath was like, you are allergic to wheat. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't understand what you're talking about. Like I knew I was like very keyed into sort of like health and everything, but I hadn't ever heard of anybody who was allergic to wheat. And, you know, my family, there's autoimmune stuff, like there's asthma and allergies and all kinds of things. And my family, I think it was just environmental exposure and genetic predisposition, kind of like confluencing. I was also a vegetarian at the time and eating a lot of like wheat gluten. So just like exposure, exposure, exposure. So I left that role. I studied actually under that naturopath for a long time. And I learned a lot about like supportive herbs and and things that I actually use today. They're also back in style, like ashwagandha and like all these sort of like adrenal support things and CBD and like all of these things that are like, I learned about Reiki for the first time and like just really got in with these like witchy herby women who Mm -hmm. taught me all of these things. So that was kind of my start. I I just continued on that path, really did what I was just was doing my thing. I'd never like was super into it, had never felt a sense of like, wow, I have this impact. I I can create things and it felt beautiful. And that place ended up closing. I worked in this like restaurant bar music venue for a while, which was super cool. And then that's where I met my husband. I moved to New York. I just kept doing my thing. Like I worked for Aaron McKenna at Baby Cakes downtown, which is now called Aaron McKenna's Bakery. But it was it's also like an allergen-friendly bakery. Yes. Friendly. It's like nut-free, vegan, gluten-free, et cetera. Just did that. Got married, got pregnant, left work for like six years. Hmm. Uh, and I was married and I had a baby and then I had another baby. And then I came back to the States I got separated from the person who was my husband at the time. And I was like, shit out of luck, pardon my French. Like I moved back and I left New York. I moved back to the West Coast. I didn't have like money or a college education or a job or like happiness in any way. Like I just was like a sad, sad, sad. I was like drinking beer. All my diet was like beer and like camel cigarettes. Like mm. was this beer, or you <laughs> just, was this gluten free beer, or you were like I'm back. I was drinking. No, I was drinking Budweiser. So Budweiser was like rice beer. Oh, like, I, yeah. Like so, I, I love that this is reaction. your takeaway, Claire. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm tracking. I'm paying like, attention to the journey, yeah. and I'm like, yeah. what really? the after we? No, yeah. Out. So Budweiser okay. was like my thing. Okay. Um, it was, and I just like I was just sad. I didn't know what to yeah. do. And I, my mom was like, listen. I get it. And also like, you got to get it together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I did. And my mom is like also full of good advice. I went to pastry school, graduated at the top of my class, like got this super swell internship with this 
this guy, Justin Woodward, who is like this, like, you know, Michelin nominated, like young hot chef in Portland, Oregon. And then I just like kind of kept going. Like, I think the whole, the thread is like, I just kept going. Yeah. And yeah. I moved back to New York. I started working at Ovenly. I ran their cake program and like their, I was like one of their kitchen managers and just kind of like started freelancing. My very first cake that I did got like in vogue weddings. And like, I mean, listen, honey, that was cute. Like that was why I was so high, like off of that. That was, yeah. it was fantastic. And I just, things just kind of grew from there. And like, I, I just had, I also like, I want to be clear. Like I had like a really fantastic network of people who were into what I was doing, but also like, they were like, you know, young people in creative jobs who were making like a lot of money and they were like, I want a cake. And then they would pay whatever I would ask, you know? So it was like, I was definitely in this place of privilege where I was really, I had this network that I was tapped into of people who were like completely willing to just like support what I was doing and like pay me to do what I was doing. And I just kind of like- that you developed. um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, for sure. Like I worked all my contacts and, you know, I I taught private baking. I like just would just do anything. Like I would would just hustle my ass. I'm working a full-time job. I had kids. Like I was back for a while with my husband at the time. Like we had separated and then we had gotten back together and that lasted a couple more years. And I was just like hustling, like working full time. I started doing farmer's markets, like doing the baked goods. And I just kept like, I just kept going. Thank you so much to MoMA Design Store for sponsoring today's episode. You've heard us talk about MoMA Design Store before, and it's because we are in love with them and have looked to them for inspiration for as long as we can remember, especially when we were building of a kind and thinking about what it means to be a retailer who plays a role in people's lives beyond just like selling stuff. MoMA Design Store is the home of good design and every single product they carry is reviewed by MoMA curators, the very same ones responsible for what is on view at the museum, which is a very, very, very big deal. Their assortment of products is thoughtful, beautiful, well-researched, and meaningful. And I feel like I learned so much about art and design just by browsing their site and like falling down the rabbit hole of their new arrival section. Same, same, same. Their holiday selection is spot on huge and has enough range in terms of category, price, and style to cover all the people on your list. So we actually went ahead and pulled together a gift guide on their site. It's all the stuff they carry that we'd love to get and give. So among the the hits are the world's greatest and most compact kitchen scale from Joseph Joseph, which you have definitely heard Erica talk about anytime it might be appropriate to talk about a kitchen scale. Which is often. Often. Um, I feel like this is perfect for your dad if your dad is interested in kitchen stuff at all. We mm, also, if he loves his meat thermometer, he'll love this kitchen scale. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. If if he has two kitchen thermometers. <laughs> we also included an amazing jumbo $6 smush crayon that's designed by Todd Oldham, who is n- notorious for a lot of things, but also designing the most amazing kids stuff. It's multicolored. It's beautiful. It's like an art piece in and of itself. And it feels perfect for like your nephew and or a stocking stuffer or something like that. You guys are always asking us about where to get good-looking office supplies. So we included this style ruler that is very chic. And I know we've been talking about Isimiyaki pleats, please, at every opportunity. That's because it's so beautiful. They also make this incredibly practical tote that folds up into a neat little line when you're not using it. So this is definitely the one that checks the box of things we would like to receive ourselves. If anyone's listening. 
<laughs> That's right. So check out all our gift picks at store.moma.org slash a thing or two and use code a thing or two online or in store for 10% off your purchase now through November 23rd. Again, that's code a thing or two for 10% off your purchase online at store.moma.org or in store at their NYC locations in Soho, Midtown, and in the museum now through November 23rd. The code cannot be combined with membership discounts or other offers. Exclusions may apply. It's not valid on the purchase of memberships, past purchases, or gift cards. Every purchase you make at MoMA Design Store supports the museum's education programs. What made you want to do your own thing? Like what made you feel like, okay, I got to like, because you were baking cakes and running programs and, you know, managing other bakery businesses. What made you feel like I got to have my own? I honestly, you know, it's funny. I've been thinking about this. I'm like, who does that? That's so wild. Like, because it's certainly like much more secure to work for someone else, you know? I mean, sometimes maybe, who knows though, honestly. Yeah, I mean, you know, with the, the, I think the thing that we're learning with this whole global moment is that we actually like don't know. Like we think yeah. we know stuff, but we actually don't know anything and like nothing is guaranteed. I don't know. I think honestly, like, I think... I was guided kind of by like, like trauma responses in my shadow side, if I'm honest, like, and, and just kind of like being a really sensitive person, I like wounded inner child. I had like a tremendously difficult time with critique and like, it always made me a very, very, very hard worker. I've always been like, I've have like this insane work ethic. I also have like a physical constitution that allows me, like I can just work. 14 hour days and for like indefinitely physically standing on my feet. I've been very blessed with that. And I think that like, I just, I would work my ass off for other people. And when I wasn't feeling like I was being like recognized or appreciated or what have you, and that sounds so cynical, like, but I think I just wanted to like feel that like, every ounce of effort that I was putting in, like pouring into other people's businesses, the return on investment wasn't there emotionally for me. You know, you like, wanted it to be was, coming back to you. You wanted to be feeling yeah, that. Yeah. And I just think that like, like I have this weird blind trust that I can just like figure it out, I guess. Like, or maybe it's naivete. Like maybe it's just that I don't really realize the scope of the responsibility or maybe like, I'm not actually sure. I think that's sure. an important part. I, I, you <laughs> know, as we both have I that and know. value yeah. that in ourselves or have learned yeah. to, to be like, oh, like being naive about things helps because then maybe you don't know all the rules um, and not knowing all the rules might be a good thing because maybe some of those rules are just stupid. Um, yeah. 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 I signed a lease that yesterday on a new production space for like, that's just me. So this is like a big thing because I've never had like just my own production space like this before. And my friend, Eric C, who owns Ursula and we like share a space presently. And he was like, oh, you know, like, were you scared? Like, I'm so proud of you. You did that. And I was like, no, I am too emotionally depleted to have fear or any other type of response in this moment. So maybe I will become afraid at some stage. But right now, like, I'm just like really depleted. But, you know, it's which is good. Well, because this, <laughs> this year, in addition to everything else you described, has been kind of a wild one for you. It, yeah. um, you, well, first of all, in this moment, I hate calling it the racial reckoning, but I don't know what we call it. But it, it, it you know, social a lot uprising. of social uprising. Great. We had 
there was so much attention brought to the importance and the need for supporting Black-owned businesses. And mm-hmm. your business got a lot of attention as part of that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I you tell us, was it in response to that that you were able to then open up your first sort of retail space? Or was that part of the long-term plan in general? I mean, I, I'm such a princess. Like, I want what I want. And I know, like... I work on like different planes. Like there's like intellectual processes and there's like intuitive processes. And like, I'm a big truster in like the intuitive stuff. And I'm just like, I don't, opening a retail space has been this like weird thing for me because I have a lot of responsibility. Like I'm a divorced mom. I have these kids. Like I want to do what I want to do. I'm great with the public. And I always wanted a retail outlet, but I'm not in a place in my life where I felt like, happy to take on that responsibility and, and I be like I want, the sole manager of that yes. situation. Yeah. 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 And I want, I like, I want retail, but I don't want to run a retail spot and I don't want to wholesale. So there's like, usually those are like the formats. It's like either you retail or you wholesale. And yeah. I'm like, I want the best of both of those things, but how do I get that? Yeah. And that's basically what I've arranged at Ursula. So it's like, I have my own little shelf there And we have like an arrangement where I'm basically like renting the retail space. And so it's like, I can have my own production space. I can build out all my stuff online. I have like one, I'll probably take on maybe one other wholesale client. Cause I just like wholesale is like a slippery slope and it's not a thing I particularly want to do in this moment, but it's kind of like, I'm, I'm getting what I want. And definitely like this moment has really kind of like given my brand a lot of visibility and I've been able to sort of like leverage all the work that I have already been doing. Um, And, you know, that was a thing that I had to like reconcile where I was sort of just like, you know, is it ethical to take on the white guilt guap? Like that's what we were calling it. You Mm -hmm. know, like the white guilt guap, like what is that? Is it sustainable? Is it ethical? These were things that I had to process as a black woman, as a black owned business. And I'm like, okay, money, not all money is good money. We know this, but like, this is a moment and like, you know, this is what's happening. Like, what am I going to do? Say like, I'm not going to fulfill your order because I feel like maybe like you're patronizing me or this is disingenuous. Like, listen, I've already like had a lot of negative things come out of being a black woman. Like I don't need to pile on like, you know, debilitating my business because I'm sort of like in this place where I'm like, I don't know if I should be doing X, Y, and Z. So, and it's like, I, I had to recognize like I've been putting in work. I haven't been plucked out of like nothingness. Like I wasn't a financial analyst, you know, like I have, like I've been a maker. I'm I'm not getting attention. And and the attention was slow to come, not the work. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've been, I've been on my grind. Like I've been, you know, it's like, it's not, it's not like, the attention in the moment has made me something that I'm not. And I just had to like, you know, give myself the credit of like, this is just happening when it's happening. And like, if it happened five years ago, like this is not like, I wouldn't be you in the deserve position it. I'm in. Yeah. Like you deserve it, just it is what it is. And there's yeah. no, there's no such thing as clean money. There just isn't. And so yeah. we live in a capitalist yeah, situation. Exactly. What is it like having a physical retail space now for the first time? For oh my god, Erica, it's hard. Um, it scares me. I've I've worked, I've worked, you know, I've worked, I've basically like run restaurants before. It's not like I'm new to what it takes, 
But what I am new to is responsibility. And I'm not going to like, for the most part, like the reason I don't want to run it is because I don't want to have those responsibilities. And like the way that we have it structured, like uh, to be honest, like Eric C manages like all of the things in, in most part, but it does mean like, while I'm figuring out like what's happened, I mean, we're like three weeks in coming up to four weeks in. And it's like, I've been working seven days a week because we are within our physical location. There are like space constraints. Like I can only make so many pop tarts and miso chocolate chip cookies because there's only so much freezer space, but I'm selling way more in a day than I can possibly like, it's like, there's like the backstock is next to non-existent because there's this next to non-existent freezer space. So it's been like managing production in a way that's going to like basically be able to, cause like things are selling we have to keep up, it's but it's like popping. It is you. She it's a it's bop. popping. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bop. Yes, she's happening. She's she's doing great, and we're so like thankful and like it's been good. It's just been like I'm working every day, and like I get up at four, I go over there, I bake what's going to be sold for the day, I come home, I wake my kids up. I get them fed and ready for school. If in fact they're going to school. Yeah. If not, the nanny comes, but they also like, they go to different schools. (laughs) My older kid, they're on like a rotor. So they don't go to school the same days every week, but my little one does. Yeah. Sometimes they're in school. Like it's just wild. Anyway, come home, manage what's happening with the children feed them either school or nanny or whatever. I go back to work, work some more, and then come home, try to not do emails while eating and, you know, either playing a game or watching TV or whatever it is we do. And then that's kind of it. But it's like, it's a lot and it's seven yeah, days. 4 a.m. <laughs> really. 4 a.m. It's rough, yeah. rough, rough. It's different. It's different. Like production, we're closed Monday, Tuesday. So okay. those are like production days. So yeah. I go in at like 10 or whatever. Okay. And like, okay. that's fine. And like, I, yesterday, God bless my assistant. She was like, oh, like, you're just crying. Maybe you should like stay home and I'll do the bake off early. And I'm like... Thank you. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, she's a love. Thank you so much to City Beauty for sponsoring today's episode. All right, this one is so relevant to my interests um, and hopefully yours. I was so excited when they reached out. I know I'm not alone in this, but being on Zoom calls all day, every day has made me stupidly hypercritical of various things about my face. And specifically, I guess I've decided to zero in on my lips, which I never really thought too much about before, but I'm all of a sudden like, oh, I just wish they were fuller and smoother and this and that. And I'm not yet at the place where I'm doing Botox or fillers or, you know, thinking about plastic surgery. 
but I have been looking for what are the best lip plumping glosses because that feels like exactly the amount of effort that I'm willing to put in for a Zoom call. So I'm really excited about City Lips from City Beauty, which does legitimately work. I've been trying it out. It's this award-winning lip plumping treatment that helps restore the look of healthy lips by delivering deep hydration for instant plumping and long-lasting comfort while smoothing out the appearance of lip lines. I immediately noticed this difference as soon as I started using it. Your lips just look a little fuller and the clear gloss is just the right amount of shiny to enhance it all. And it feels sort of like the real life version of Zoom's touch up my appearance feature. It works just like a regular lip gloss. It looks like a regular lip gloss. They offer it in clear and various colors, but it has all of these hardworking ingredients in it that also support healthy skin under your lips. So it has everyone's fave hyaluronic acid, which plumps, smooths, and hydrates on contact. It has oligopeptides, which support natural collagen production. And then it has all of these natural moisturizers in it, which soothe and restore and create long-lasting all-day comfort. It's been called the best non-surgical lip plumping solution by ABC News and Good Day LA. Unlike other lip solutions that ultimately leave your lips dry or cause more damage, the City Lips formula has ingredients designed to revive the health of your lips so they look beautiful and healthy on their own. So are you ready to try this out? I really do think you might like it. Visit citybeauty.com and use code ATHINGERTWO for 30% off your order of two or more City Lips. That's citybeauty.com and code ATHINGERTWO for 30% off your order of two or more City Lips. Thank you so much for supporting the brands that support us. You talked a little bit about what it's like sort of like psychologically or logistically opening this physical space, but what mm-hmm. is it like opening a restaurant in a year that has been just like the strangest, hardest year for restaurants in general, just sort of like intellectually or spiritually mm. or like whatever? Sure. No, yeah. I mean, I get it. Like, it's a bit funny. Like, the and you know, something that I said at the top of the year was like, dude, this is going to be crazy. And like, there's going to be winners and losers. And like the whole industry is like really on the back foot. And it's not something that we should take lightly. And, you know, restaurants are really integral to especially New York's culture, yes. like everywhere, yes. like the entire and economies, you know, yes. and local I economies. Mean, yeah. Listen, I love the, the, the GOP loves to romanticize this idea of like, coal miners, you know, like they're obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. And like the whole thing about it is, is like at the peak, peak of coal mining, I think the coal industry employed maybe like, you know, 800,000 people or something like that. Right. And like cashiers, like 5 million people in this country, 5 million, you know, like that's the real like American, like that's the real like salt of the earth American people. I think that there's like some acts, the restaurants act, the hero act, like those things are sort of like in Congress right now. There's a package that's like meant to be sort of like people are trying to get it pushed through Camilla Marcus of Westbourne is like really the independent restaurant coalition. All those folks are really working to get it pushed through. It's a relief package. It's like, it's like $11 billion, which is like the exact amount that's sort of left. That's like dog geared for the federal, like fun for all this stuff. Anyways. Also, by the way, nothing. Like it is just nothing in the grand scheme of things. People are like, it's so much money. And I'm like, yo, it it, it isn't though. It's not. Not for what, not for what we'll lose because it's not about just like the money. It's about like the flow of energy. And it's like, what do you do when five, eight million people are unemployed in one fell swoop? 
And you it's know, not it's a lot like, of money compared to the amount of money we spend on tanks or yes, exactly. Oh, exactly. Viagra research. Exactly. Like, you know, yes. this, that, and the other thing. Let's make yes. sure people have their livelihoods. Let's yeah. make sure that right. people can feed themselves. Let's make sure right. that... And that an incredibly critical piece of the American culture and American economy survives and thrives. It is such right. a huge part of this country's identity. Um, in it so is. Ways. It is. And I think that like part of America's problem and like, I think that it's in high relief right now, you know, obviously with the social uprising is this like cognitive dissonance as a collective. Mm -hmm. Like there's this like collective cognitive dissonance around like, what are American values? Like, you know, people like there's this sort of idea and, and it really is underpinned by like, racism and xenophobia and all these things where we think that we value certain things and we think that we have this perspective of what the America is. And it's like, oh, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And it's like, well, if you like kind of like pull the thread, like, and you dig a little deeper, you can actually see that that's like factually inaccurate. Yep. And it's not actually how our nation is like structured or has been structured or historically has ever been structured in any way, shape or form. And like, you cannot have, you know, the stain of like, slavery, which is like a huge part of our history, which has yes. been, which like lasted for longer than it's been over. You yeah. know, if you're, it's been, even like the, like Jim Crow and like, even now, even current day, right. It's like, you can't have that like collective psychic trauma that's like intergenerational and this like cognitive dissonance around like how things actually work and be healthy as a collective. Like it's not actually possible. And I think that when, you know, you, and it, and that bleeds into everything, like nothing is unrelated. Right. And so when you're talking about the situation where people are like, but I don't know if we should be giving restaurants this bailout. It's like, it's, it's not, you know, people just have this idea of like, well, you just need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And you know, it's like, it's not a bailout. Like, no, well, also, we, like, we're not like, we didn't do anything. <laughs> like We didn't also, do anything that we need to be bailed out of. We're not the banks. Like ripping you didn't make off. decisions that led to this place. Right. Restaurants were forced to close because there's right. a pandemic and restaurants are a place where a virus would spread. Um, right. So it makes sense to support <laughs> restaurants staying closed in order for viruses not to spread. It's not the right. banks. It's not right. like we're willing to bill out the airlines, you know. For what? And also for what? Yes, yep. I know. Exactly. So it's like, you know, there's that. And it's kind of just one of those things where it's like, I am very, very clear that like the things that I am co-creating in my life with, I'm like a real spiritual hippie dippy. Like my higher power has a plan and I have to like, just be out of my will and like keep putting one foot in front of the other around like the things that I'm meant to be doing. And I don't have to know. And I don't necessarily get to know like the why of like why certain things happen to me. Like lots of bad shit has happened to me. Lots of good shit has happened to me. And it's like, I don't necessarily get to know why any of that has happened to me. I get to learn lessons. I get to transmute that energy. I get, if I choose not to, I get opportunity after opportunity to do so. I'm 
in on a path and I have to like bear witness to it and be transparent and be vulnerable and share. And, you know, it's also like scary and I don't know what's going to happen either. Like I'm having some success now, but like, what if the ass falls out of the economy completely? I don't know. Like who's going to buy my stuff? Like, I don't know. Then what, (laughs) you know, like, I don't know. How Um, do you think the way that you think about all of these things influences the product that you make? How does that play into your baking and and what you sell? I mean, certainly like thinking about the big picture influences a lot of how I choose to create recipes. Like I really do strive to make things as inclusive as possible. Like the thing that like people probably, like my best selling thing for a long time was like the miso chocolate chip cookie. And when I made Mm. that, I wanted something that like as many people as possible could have like this like classic American baked goods staple, right? So it's like a chocolate chip cookie. Everybody has a chocolate chip cookie. And it's like a very, you know, it's American baked chocolate classic. And I wanted it to be vegan. I'm not, everybody thinks I'm vegan, but I'm not. Like I am personally not vegan and like Brutus Bake Shop isn't vegan either per se. Like a lot of the stuff I make is vegan and it's about like options. It's not even about like veganism per se. It's like people can't, like the top 10 allergens in this nation are like, you know, the top 10 things we eat the most. And it's like, if I can create really beautiful things that are inclusive as in, in as many people as possible, and especially if they're like the classic flavors that people love and are used to, it's like, that to me is thinking about like, well, how many people can I include in this joy and in this conversation? It's like desserts to me are 100% unnecessary. They, and I shouldn't say that because that's like my whole biz, but like they're a luxury. I don't think people ultimately. are going to stop buying them because like, you said that. <laughs> like, <laughs> but they're like, you know, they're like, they're ultimately yes. like a luxury. They're a layer of luxury that we in this nation like are so we're so like, we have blessings upon blessings upon blessings upon blessings that we don't even like have a, like a recognition. A lot of us that like you get to eat dessert, like that's like a hell of a treat, Mm -hmm. you know, like people, there are, you know, little ass kids in Africa who make chocolate, who is, have never had chocolate, not even shitty Hershey's chocolate. And it's like, it's because they don't, that's like a system of oppression that they're stuck in. And like, we can go to the bodega and go get like 10,000 chocolate bars if we want to. Like we have so many blessings and it's like to have something that's like a total, it is a luxury to me. It's a total luxury. Like it's an inexpensive luxury, but dessert is a, is a luxury. And to have it be something that like people can share, you know, like being with like, like my niece, she's like, dairy allergic. She's like projectile vomits with dairy and like, I'm gluten-free and like, you know, this person can't, this is like, okay, well, here's a cookie that's like no gluten, no eggs, no dairy, no soy. Like how- I also just would like to pause for a moment and talk about how delicious this cookie is because I think right now you've sold like the fact that everyone can eat it, which I think is incredibly important, but also this cookie is just so fucking good. And I think the second time I had it, I was like, I got to make sure my brother knows about this cookie. I got to text my brother about this cookie because he's someone who treats dessert like the the thing that he like gets out of bed for maybe. Yes, good. (laughs) Um, And I was like, have you had this cookie yet? And he was like, I had eight of them last weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, bro. I love that for him. And I love it for me too. Like, I mean, no, it's... Listen, I... 
quest love i'm like quest love is a fan brooks it's a good headley. cookie brooks headley wow the pastry chef former pastry chef of del posto owner proprietor of superiority burger texted me unbelievable i was like i'm good <laughs> Something I'm really interested in is your personal aesthetic, which is so colorful and beautiful and, like and design forward. Yes, very <laughs> joyful. And you see it in the portraits of yourself that you share and you see it in like your brand's aesthetic, but it also very much comes through in your product and in, in the baked goods. And I'm just curious yeah. how those two things, your love of color and your love of baking, how those play together for you. Oh, that's such a good question. I wanted to go to art school when I was young and there was like, no, that was like, like going to college was like, my mom was like, you should go to college. But she wasn't like, here's how you go to college. Like I was very much like, not a feral child, but like, (laughs) you know, my mom didn't have a lot of bandwidth. Like she had four teenagers. My parents got divorced when I was 13. My dad wasn't really around. Like my mom was just like busting her ass. My mom was also like, an orphan when she was 17 and like really had to just like figure a lot out by herself. And I really was into art and being super creative when I was young. And I didn't, no one, there was no representation in my life of like a career in art. And I, you know, no one was like, you should study color theory. You should study this. This is how you go to art school. This is how like, I didn't have any of that. And I just very much was like, left to my own devices. I actually <laughs> was studying to be a nurse, like a midwife when I moved, when I met my ex-husband and moved to New York. And I just, it was like the safest thing I could possibly think of because like midwives are, you know, independent that you basically can have your own practice. And I was like, I can do that. You know, <laughs> like yeah. that's, that's yeah. a good job. Yeah. And I just, I've always been creative. I've always loved color. I've always prioritized like art. Like I've been like art and music. Like I've always, like from the time I was a kid, I was going to shows and like creating band flyers at like Kinko's, like make my friends bands. I would do like cut and paste and rip stuff up, like very punk aesthetic. I'd draw things and I would make like band flyers and I was just really into it. But I just didn't, there was like a disconnect between like a career and like a, you know, a love. And, you know, I think I just, as I got older, like for years, I wore only black because I had no idea like about color. Mm. And when I went to pastry school, I actually, you're only supposed to do one internship, but I did two. I, I studied under this woman who was, she had uh, an MFA. She had been a sculptor and she was like a cake designer. And she taught me, like, she just opened this door of like, She's like, do you know what color theory is? I was like, what are you talking about? What is color theory? And she's, cause she would like hold up an object and she'd be like, wow, this green glass has so much blue in it. And I'm like, what are you talking? Like, I, yes, (laughs) well, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, there's like a science here, you know, like I didn't know. And I just started, I kind of just like unconsciously instinctively gave myself permission to like pull the thread because it had never like, I I remember being like 19 and just so envious of like this guy who I knew who was like studying graphic design, Mm, mm -hmm. you know, which is like a wonderful career, but it's just like, I just was, I never had the confidence or like a pathway to to go there. And I just have been like teaching myself and like, you know, continue, like when my kids were babies, all I would do is like, I'd take them to the museum. Like I'd go to the VNA and I, cause we lived in London and I'd go, like, I would just go like art was like at the center of 
everything that I would do. And I just, you know, autodidactically like educated myself on like color and color theory. And I just, it just brings me so much joy. And like the food thing, you know, it, it was always something that I knew and I loved, but like to be able to integrate that creative, you know, the, the design the with the stencil cakes, especially like the surface design, the color, the pattern and all that stuff, you know, and really be able to be like, I love Joseph Albers or Annie Albers. And I'm going to design a cake around that. And I'm going to sell it to somebody for like $500 and they're going to pay me to do that. Like that to me was a metric of success. That was like I mean, beyond. So few people choice. get that. Even the most successful people don't get to combine passions like that. That's so beautiful. It's so wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. It feels like lit. (laughs) It feels great. Like I'm like, oh wow, this is like possible. Um, You were such a joy. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, If you are in, of course, if you are in New York, uh, check out and consume all of Lonnie's goods at Ursula. And if you are not in New York, then you need to just order them on the internet at LonnieHoliday.com. That's right. And I'm expanding that. Like I'm I'm expanding all, like right now you can order cookies and I'm going to, this week I'm getting a machine that's going to allow me to produce like a million Pop-Tarts. They're like very labor intensive. So I'm going to be able to make like- I think that people want the Pop-Tarts. The people yeah. really Pop-tarts want the Pop-Tarts. Are, I'm going to add flavors. So I'm going to, I'm doing, yeah. So you I'm going to do guava do like, now? I do, right now, all I do is the guava and passion fruit. Yeah. I'm going to do like a chocolate maple one, which will be Ooh. vegan. I'm going to do, uh, I've got some other flavors. They're coming. They're coming. Like you just got to like go to the Lonnie Clearly Holiday. people probably should sign up for your mailing list too, so that they can get that, alerted yeah, to all of I the flavors. Think they should definitely yeah. do all that. Oh, I love it. Okay. That's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found like Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. If you have ideas for the show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and much more on a thing or two HQ.com.